Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. I'm absolutely thrilled today to announce that joining me on the Mark and Me podcast is one of the best actors out there. You will know him for his absolutely incredible work with the Coen brothers. His performance in Oh Brother Where Art Thou is up there with some of the finest on film. You'll also know him for his amazing role in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and he's also got a brand new film out on the 8th of November called Old Henry. I'm joined by the amazing Tim Blake Nelson. This is a dream come true for me and I think he's one of Hollywood's finest. I love this interview, he's so open and honest and I can't wait to share it with you in just a couple of moments time. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I do like to use the intro to touch base and talk about my last episode. And my God, it was the most downloaded episode that I've ever released. Kat Von D. I want to say a massive thank you right now for everyone that tuned in and listened. The feedback was incredible and Kat Von D shared this on her own social media channels, which meant the numbers blew up. It's been absolutely insane this week and I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen and hope you all enjoyed it as much as me. But today's all about Tim Blake Nelson, someone I've wanted on this podcast for a very long time. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to it. So here's me and Tim talking all things film. How are you, Tim? I'm well, and yourself? I'm very well. Thank you for taking the time to come on the Mark and Me podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's my pleasure. And I can see that you're wearing a shirt that says Sofia Bulgaria. Oh, Sofia (laughs) Coppola. Yes. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah, they do this brand in the UK where they're trying to get as many female directors and female people in the industry. So it's just slogans. But um, yeah, they're really successful and they um, I like wearing them. A lot of people always comment on them. Well, we should be so lucky if Sofia Coppola listens to this podcast. That's the dream. And then hopefully she'll come on. Yes, I, I, I recommend it. Not even having done the entire podcast. I already <laughs> tell that I'll recommend it amazing so tim for all the listeners that are tuning in to today uh what i like to do is to kind of take it back right to the beginning and want to find out what it was that made you fall in love with film was it at a very young age or during your kind of teenage years can you remember those maybe early films you watched that made you just think god i love cinema i suppose it was a combination stories are our films are stories told with pictures and I got interested and became interested in photography at a very, very young age and had a dark room and uh, a rangefinder film camera with no light meter built in because I'm a codger at 57 years old now. <laughs> uh, so um, it forced me, thanks to a father who gave good advice, uh, to learn the elements of shooting film. And I started out with black and white and I carried a camera with me everywhere and took loads of pictures and developed them myself and printed them in a dark room. At the same time, yes, I was watching Saturday and Sunday afternoon movies and going to the cinema whenever I could. And I loved, I guess, at first, the Sergio Leone Westerns. Oh, wow. Those were my first first uh, obsessions in cinema. So Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West, For a Few Dollars More, 
fistful of dollars, those movies uh, would play several times a year on weekend afternoons. And I would just sit there amazed uh, and already understanding because they were called spaghetti westerns that these movies were filmed in Italy, specifically, I believe in Sicily. Yeah. Um, with mostly Italian actors whose voices were then dubbed. And so, and, and, and that all lent to the abstraction of the experience because already it, it wasn't real. It was something better than real because you had these deep voiced voice actors dubbing for the Italians. Often the dubbing was off. The Italians weren't even acting in English or, and, and then there was the, the long lens photography. So everything was, you know, these intense close-ups. it was just better than life. Uh, and also the amount of grain and the film stock and, and because I was taking pictures and this is when I was about 12. Yeah. Uh, having, um, a perhaps precocious understanding of all that just because I had a dark room um, caused me to meld it together uh, and understand that nothing would be greater in life than to participate in this medium. And then, in, you know, I started acting in high school and uh, that was it. I think a lot of people have similar <laughs> backgrounds who are my age. I, I think for um, how many people like those, particularly guys, yeah, uh, like those Sergio Leone westerns. I think I think for that age, considering you're just about to hit your teenage years at the age of twelve, it shows you have patience because those films are three, four hours long. So it's showing that you're not just this kid that wants to watch an hour and a half, you know, sort of sci-fi or you know, just comedies. It's, it's testing and showing that you must have a real good. Well, patience. I did love. I did love Monty Python. Ah, oh, lovely. And and I loved Marx Brothers and W.C. Fields. Uh, but film as high art, as funny as it sounds, really to me resided in those Sergio Leone movies. No, I mean they they stand the test of time, and to still watch them now is incredible. And my dad's favorite genre is westerns, and we'll still watch them now. And they, I just love them. And you know, to just know that they shaped your kind of interest in film is incredible. And then you said you obviously went on to acting. What was the point when you thought to yourself, instead of just wanting to be an actor, it could become a reality that you knew you could actually hopefully make a career out of it. Was there a certain point where you knew there was a step to take? Well, I have a high school teacher um, to thank for that. I used to do these skits and, and, and these uh, characters at morning meeting um, in my high school, uh, everybody would gather in a common area for announcements and people would come to me if they didn't want to make an announcement themselves. Like if there was a pep rally or a bake sale, this sort of thing. And they would say, would you do a skit for me advertising whatever it was? Right. And so I'd get a couple of friends together and we would play these characters usually local uh, yokels 
Southern characters. I grew up in the Southwest in Oklahoma. And this teacher was casting Midsummer Night's Dream and she couldn't get enough actors to come out for it. And she was my English teacher also. And she and I got along very well. And she said, look, I really want you to come and audition for this. And I said, I don't know, I don't want to do a play. And she said, you do these skits every morning, it, you could really be of use uh, to me. And so I auditioned and she, I wasn't um, Lysander or Demetrius, she cast me as, uh, or even Bottom, um, she cast me as Peter Quince. Wow. And I had a great time. Yeah. Uh, and just started doing plays in high school because of this teacher encouraging me. And then I got back into it in college uh, with my mother's encouragement. And by the time I was ready to graduate, I decided to go to drama school. And I was literally about to say, did you have the support from your mother or your family? Because, you know, some parents will want their kids to go off and do an academic sort of degree or a qualification. When you turn around and say you want to be a musician or an actor, sometimes it could put a fear on parents, couldn't it? Because it's, you know, it's like, oh, are you going to make it or not? But you had the backing, did you, from the, the whole time that you said you wanted to be an actor? I really did. You know, I'm not one of these actors uh, or people in general who's going to um, complain that much about his upbringing. Uh, I, I, uh, my parents got divorced. That was about as bad as it got for me. Yeah. Um, uh, I grew up in a home where, uh, books and learning were venerated. Um, and I was provided a great education, both at home and at school. It was all paid for by my parents, uh, and far from discouraging me to go into the arts, my mother in particular encouraged it. There was a seminal moment in my life uh, in which I didn't know what I was going to do after the summer of, uh, for the summer after my freshman year in college. And, and I informed her I was just going to come home and, and hang out and maybe get some sort of menial job. And, and she said, no, you're completely unaffiliated. You have no responsibilities in your life right now. You don't even have a girlfriend, you pathetic <laughs> thanks mom young man uh yeah. so you liked acting in high school why don't you go and act in a summer theater and take some risks and 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 see if you want to do that this is the time when you go out and experiment you you really if you have no children you have no wife nobody's waiting for you anywhere go and live life and and take a chance and so i went and worked at a summer theater and decided, okay, this is actually what I want to do. And so my mother really, I would have to say, made that happen. And it would be a criminal offense, I think, for me not to mention one of my favorite Coen Brothers films, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Now, to get to work with the Coen Brothers, is it an experience that you'll never forget? I mean, it sounds like just a dream. I can't even imagine my headspace of being able to go on set and work with those geniuses every day looking back was that probably one of your highlights of your career it certainly was I, yeah, I, I tend to look at my career particularly since then but even before then because I'd done a lot of theater yeah uh, through the lens of some advice I got 
from an older character actress who's still hard at it and a wonderful soul, uh, Lois Smith, American actress who um, was in East of Eden. I mean, that's how far back she goes as an actress and she's still at it. Uh, and we, we were in Minority Report together also. Um, and she said, Tim, you have to look at your career not as one moment or even a series of moments, but as an accumulation. Right. And so for me, it's all the parts, all the experiences and their continuity and everything that's going to happen moving forward. And so there's a fluidity to it all. That said, yes, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was uh, a, a game changer for me in all sorts of ways. Uh, the, and, and the career one probably being the least important in a sense, because yeah, after that, I stopped having to audition and I started getting offers and my career really became what it has become, but, and, and, and I never will take that for granted. It's extraordinary. And I feel incredibly blessed because at, you know, I'm a little guy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm under five, six, uh, I'm not going to win any beauty contests. And the fact that I can have a movie career is extraordinary. So I don't take that for granted. What was great about working with the, with Joel and Ethan was that I gained two of my best friends. Uh, because I remain really close with them and they've, they're such good people. Yeah. Um, they're so inherently resolutely decent. They're both brilliant in quite different ways. And the friendship with them has just nourished me, uh, just spiritually and artistically and emotionally um, in ways that I honestly can't, it, they're ineffable. I can't, I can't, I can't ultimately even describe it beyond these generalities. Uh, but they're just guys who are in my life and have made me better. It's beautiful to hear. And currently we're promoting the true Don Quixote. I've been trying to practice my pronunciations today. And the reviews for this, I've been lucky enough to see it, but the reviews are absolutely incredible. Have you taken the time? I know I speak to a lot of actors. Not everybody looks at online feedback or IMDb ratings, but the reviews are for your performance in this film across the whole board are literally 10 out of 10 absolute masterpiece one of the finest acting performances of the year it's absolutely incredible do, do you take this feedback do you go out there and actively search for it or do you prefer not to know what people are saying uh i i i um i i'm not aware of that uh <laughs> um but i do i do you know i'm sort of down the middle yeah uh, I don't look at the stuff obsessively. I'm not on social media and I don't really have the, the tools uh, technically beyond a Google search. Um, and I haven't really done that about uh, the true Don Quixote. Um, just because I, I, I just don't think there's enough time for me in the day to go down that rabbit hole it's not because i'm uh some sort of a 
healthy person who's impervious to criticism or praise because I'm both. I mean, I love praise and I'm devastated by harsh criticism. So I'm kind of down the middle of the road in terms of my exposure to that sort of thing. I'm very proud of the film. Yeah. And I'm very proud of the performance. I, I'm, I'm most proud though of, of the filmmakers uh, and in particular Chris Pochet, but also his producer, uh, Trey Bervant. Um, these guys uh, made a film. I think they probably spent under $500,000 to make a feature length film. And that's just extraordinary. It is a tiny film. Yeah. And when something like that can break through, the actors have something to do with it, but it's really the the, the people who are making the movie. Um, I got to play this part and I poured myself into it, uh, including learning to do a, 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 a headstand, um, which uh, took me months uh, <laughs> and a lot of yoga classes um, because I didn't want them to have to use a stunt double. I really wanted to do that moment. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but, but, but ultimately I'm happy for them. And I really mean that. Uh, and yes, of course, happy for myself, but you do. So I do, I do a lot of these movies. Um, I'm not someone who lives by the studio system alone. In fact, if I tried to do that, I would have a pretty boring life because I do studio movies but the, the really interesting parts I get are in little movies like this. Yeah. Um, and many of them don't work. And this one does. And I credit the filmmakers for that. They just did a wonderful job with scant resources and made it a comfortable environment for um for you know Jacob Batalon, the wonderful actor who plays the Sancho Panza to my um, Don Quixote. Uh, you know, they made it a, a really comfortable set on which to work with, again, scant resources, and that's not easy. And a couple of questions left. Um, what I wanted to know was, when people listen to the podcast, there's a lot of people that are trying to get into the industry. I have a lot of people that are at film school or that are acting. Now, what advice do you give to people that want to be like yourself and become an actor and try and stand out above the others and try and get themselves noticed in a world where it's so difficult to be seen? It is really difficult to be seen, and I think probably doing everything you can to get noticed um you know that can backfire on you i i tend to think of it uh and and it was 10 years between when i got out of drama school and i did oh brother where art thou um and i it could have been 20 it could have been never um, you know, when, when I, when I got a, a, a break that, that changed the reality for me, but I was never going to leave. And I think that, that the best piece of advice I could give in addition to, to staying true to who you are 
is that you refuse to go away. I love it. And my very final question for you today, Tim, is what we do on this podcast to make it quite original is, and I'm going to put you on the spot now, is we ask the actor or director or whoever's on to choose the outro music to the episode. So it could be a piece of music you love, a song, uh, a band that you absolutely adore, but I am going to put you on the spot. This episode's all done. It's edited. It's about to go out into the big wide world and the outro music, what would you like it to be that is a meaningful song to you? Well, it would have to be Tom Waits. Beautiful. And I love my wife and my family. Uh, my wife, Lisa Benavides Nelson, and my boys, Henry, Teddy, and Eli. Uh, and my wife and I have a song that's incredibly important to us. And it's Take It With Me When I Go by Tom Waits. So I love it when people know it straight away and don't need too long. Some people want to come back to me or they get it down to three or four, but the fact that you had it there ready to go is perfect. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and taking the time. I really appreciate it. And um, I really look forward to putting it out there and seeing what people's response will be to this film. Well, thank you for taking an interest in me and having me on your show. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Tim Blake Nelson. What an absolute legend, so down to earth, so open, so honest, and so humble. I love this interview and I hope you guys have enjoyed it too. Like I said, we talked about loads of films, but if you're really into his performances, I urge you all to check out his brand new film, Old Henry, which is out here in the UK on November the 8th. It's getting some incredible reviews and honestly, you will adore it. I want to say a massive thank you for Tim for coming on the show and it's been an absolute honour to have you on. If you've listened to today's interview and you've really enjoyed it, please take the time to share it. It costs nothing and I say it on every episode because it makes a huge difference. Go onto your Instagram and share it on your stories. Go onto Facebook and share the update when you see it on the Mark and Me page. Or if you're on Twitter, give it that retweet button. It makes a massive difference and people across your whole network get to see the episode and may just tune in and fall in love with the podcast. That's the best marketing that I can ever get and it costs absolutely nothing. I also do have a Patreon page set up and you can support me on there. The links are all on markandme.com. Each month as a way of me saying thank you to you guys out there, what I can do is give you some incredible prizes. I've got some amazing people that support the podcast starting with Last Exit to Nowhere. They are the best t-shirt company out there. And each and every month they give me amazing prices that I give away to you guys at home to say thanks for supporting me. But not only that, my favorite company in the whole world, and I do truly mean this, Vice Press. Their posters blow everyone else out of the water and they're incredible. Each and every month I've got artist proofs, variants or limited edition posters that they give me to say thanks to you guys at home who have supported me on Patreon. Literally, for £1 a month, you're getting about eight or nine episodes every single month. Not only that, you get exclusives on there, you get t-shirts, you can have posters, and all the prizes that I can get my hands on. You have no idea how much it helps. All the money that comes through on Patreon goes right back into the podcast. It allows me to travel the country, buy equipment, host the podcast, and do as much as I can to get Mark and me out there, which means you guys at home get more and more interviews and more and more episodes. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's supporting me. I'm not slowing down anytime soon and I'll have a brand new episode coming very soon. Thanks again for listening. Look after yourself and I'll speak to you all soon.
phones off the hook No one knows where we are It's a long time since I drank champagne The ocean's blue As blue as your eyes I'm gonna take it with me with me. 